0: We know now that in the early years
1: of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto, digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect vast,
0: cool, and unsympathetic.
1: Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Manor Deprived and face Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Odo, and you are listening to episode twenty-one, signed, sealed, delivered. My name is David Sville, and I've got Travis Sowers on the line with me. How are you this week, sir? I am fantastic. How are you, David? I'm pretty good. I had a tough work or a tough week at work last week, but uh, I am ready to go this week. We're landing down some streams. We're doing some draft videos. Modern Masters came out, and initially I was not excited to draft it, but I have since been convinced to give it a try, and it kind of looks fantastic.
0: Yeah, I, I'm only one draft in, but my goodness, was that a fun draft! Um, I, I started out going through the draft format, making picks like uh is this gonna work is this gonna work is this gonna work then ended up with a sweet deck that was just an absolute blast so i, I would encourage everybody to try that one out at least for a draft or two it it, it was a
1: lot of fun i think it, it appeals to me because a lot of the cards um i've seen because i started playing around rtr so there's a lot of rtr cards in there mm-hmm. um and then there's cards from before that were in the standard format so it is somewhat familiar to me and i mean it's it's not a cube um it, it's like a regular draft format so i, I think it's um you know, you can build regular decks, which is what I'm good at, um, with some fun shenanigans. So I really look forward to it.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed RTR a lot, too, obviously. And it actually, now that I think about it, it was like almost an overpowered RTR block draft. It was just a, a tons of fun. And it, like I kind of had to because we're doing the streamer showdown tomorrow for it. So it's like I'd, I'm going to have to prep for this. And then surprise, it was just a lot of fun. So I, I'm I'm super excited to be drafting more of that be doing a lot of that on stream. Probably most of the Phantom ones, those are actually decent value for the experience because like you you two one and you get to go again.
1: Yeah, I'll probably stick to the Phantom ones. It looks like the value is dropping pretty quickly on the on Magic Online on a lot of these cards. Um, so I'll, I'll stick with Phantom and maybe if I run a few good ones together, I'll run an actual one and see if I can get some mad value. But um, i probably stick to that and kind of slow burn my tickets, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got a streamer showdown this week, which will be after, or sorry, yeah, after the pod or before the podcast is released. Wait, time is difficult. No, nope, um, nope. it's
0: the, the so the, the podcast comes out on Friday and the streamer showdown will be on Thursday. So it'll actually have already happened. But go back and watch right. the
1: video. Right. You're right. So, yes, go back and watch the video on demand. And then we've also got uh, draft videos on Mana Deprived. Actually, we're there's starting to get to be a lot of content on the YouTube channel, not just us. There's a couple of other streamers there are uh, streamers and uh podcast I would say hosts Mm -hmm. are also on there so there's a lot of really cool stuff there Uh, lots of stuff going on in the mana deprived side of things these days why so this week's episode now that we've actually got that intro out of the way um, we're gonna talk about a couple of things the main topic will be on sealed Uh, so Travis is basically going to work his magic and convince me to play sealed and hopefully convince you to play sealed if you uh, do not already and before that though I think we wanted to talk about uh, you had some people on your stream comment a lot recently about splashing uh, mm-hmm. in limited, specifically in sealed, but also in draft. So I think we want to take a couple of minutes and talk about that and talk about our philosophy on splashing. And I can tell you now that Travis is going to tell you that it's difficult to splash, and I'm probably a little bit easier to convince to splash, but not by much. So I think we're we're aligned on this one. Uh, but I think it's a good starting point, and then it'll kind of roll into our, into our sealed content. So why don't we take it away?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I can speak to it from sealed, um, and then maybe you can give a draft perspective because I, I think I play more sealed than draft and I, I know you do more draft than sealed, but many times you'll have a sealed pool where your, your two colors that like, you kind of need to play with a color that has removal and a color that has good threats. And then there's this one card from another color that looks like it'd be really good. And everybody in chat's like, well, obviously you need to splash that. Just splash it. It's no big deal. Splash it, splash it, splash it. And if you look through, for me, when I look through a sealed pool, if I don't have fixing, I don't splash. That's the end of the discussion.
1: Period. Makes sense.
0: The the reasons for me to splash are that I need the splash because my deck is just so terrible without it that I can't. And I have the fixing so that it's not going to mess up my mana base. Because even if I'm building a deck to play in a five round sealed league... What I'm really doing is practicing for the PTQ finals where I need to win nine rounds in a row with this thing. And if your mana base is wonky, you're going to give up one of those nine rounds because you're, you're going to lose two games due to your mana base. So, so what is a free splash? What does that look like? For, for me, that looks like at least three sources for one card. So like a renegade map and a land and a prophetic prism. Boom, we're splashing. But if the pool doesn't have that, I'm not. And just because I have that doesn't mean I am splashing because I'd still need a very compelling reason to splash and a splashable card. Uh, I had a sealed pool the other day that had the fixing to splash, but actually needed the fixing just to cast its own stuff. It had tons of double green and double black. I think it had two of the vampire nighthawk without flying guys. And then like a Pima outrider, um, it just, it had a lot of a monstrous onslaught, a lot of double colored cards. And even with fixing, I was still having trouble getting all of those colors to line up properly. So that, that that's kind of my thing for splashing. Like, is a card worth splashing is the first thing you need to ask yourself. Anything that is good in the first five turns of the game and not good after that is not worth splashing. So like, I'm not really going to splash a Sh- Shanda's Revolution and Sealed. It's just not ever really going to happen because if I'm casting that on turn six, it's rarely amazing, right? You can't splash double colored cards. Tidy Conclusion is not splashable. And it, there's people who will say it's okay to splash with two sources if a card's a very late game card. And they may be right, but I still don't feel comfortable doing that because when you're sitting with that card dead in your hand, it, like you've given up a card for that while you're waiting to draw the mana to cast it. And it's even not free with the maps, right? Because let's say I'm playing a blue black deck and I'm splashing a green card and I have an island in a map. What am I supposed to get?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's easier to, to say to splash from the backseat um, and not put yourself in that, in that position. But um, I'm, I'm with you on most of those points. Um, I think I approach it more from the I think two sources is OK for a really late game card um, or something like unconditional removal. Um, but the reason to put that card in the deck has to be very high for me to, to do it on, on two sources. So I look at a couple of things when I'm splashing one is you have to be okay casting it late. Um, and so like removal, like re- quality removal is a really good candidate for it. Um, cards that just swing the game back in your favor, are really good candidates for it. Um, you know, cloud blazer is a really good example. Like it's, it's five drops. Or It's a 5-drop to begin with, so you're not playing it too late in the game anyway. And it has really good late-game utility just on its own because it's flying, and it draws you cards, and it gains you life, and it gives you blink potential, and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I look at cards like that as, as an easy splash. Um, I haven't splashed much in this format, um, despite there being Renegade maps, um, and the most recent one that I can think of was putting Unlicensed Disintegration in my red-white deck, I believe it was. And the reason I did that was because I was lacking removal to begin with. So I didn't get paid off in pack three with some, uh, you know, revoke privileges and things like that. And I didn't get Chandra's Revolutions and and I kind of was really light on removal. So I needed to put the extra oomph in my deck. So I picked and I unlicensed this integration like third or fourth and I had a renegade map already and I was like, well, that's two sources for this card i can cast at any time and it's it's kind of fantastic and it filled a hole in my deck so i took a knowing i I took a calculated risk to give my deck kind of that extra boost to get over the top but we're not talking like i'm not going to splash for like the activation of a pillar bug and i'm not going to splash for um what's a good example like winding constrictor unless it's stupid powerful in my deck
0: it's never going to be stupid powerful in your deck if you're not playing black green like that's just not what the card does
1: right i mean I, I could see I could see a, a magical Christmas land where it comes together in like a blue green style deck where where the extra energy and the plus one plus one counters on your green creatures matter, but even then your winding constrictor you're still wanting to cast on turn two and three when it, you get it on turn ten and and you're, and you're in top deck mode or something like that like that's not that's that's not useful to you at all so yeah um you kind of really have to you know look at all of those options, and it's a, it's definitely a calculated risk. So especially in a format where people are saying you should be playing 15, 16 lands, you know, 15 plus a map, the fewer lands you have in your deck, the harder it is or the riskier it is to splash as well, right? So if you're looking at your deck and people are saying, oh, you should play 16 lands, you play 14 lands and two maps, when you splash, it, that splash becomes harder. So if you have one source in your 14 land two renegade map deck a lot of the times those renegade maps like you said are going to be getting colors that you need for your main two colors which then just cuts a source of your splash out so you know then you're running the risk on that side of the table um and then as you also have to look at the double cost activations. so um it's really got to be for lake a game card for me but um i will definitely pick cards in the draft considering splashing uh because if you do end up with those three sources and you get, you know, a couple of of off color activated or not off color activated but like gold cards that that um that are high power on licenses disintegration and things like that um those free splashes can be very very advantageous but mm-hmm. you know you definitely got to calculate weigh the odds and um yeah, it's definitely not free to splash
0: it's it's never free to splash. Now I'll mention that some of this is format specific in Kaladesh that we're talking about here. Yes, um, for example, in Modern Masters, um, the the draft that I did uh, was predominantly blue red, splashing black for a kill spell and flashback on two spells, and it it was it was free. I had like five sources in the deck for that with duels and no problem. Like fixing appears to be very prevalent in that format. Going back to cons, like you were often two colors splashing a third or three colors splashing a fourth or five colors with no splash. So like those are things you need to consider. But when you open a sealed pool and look at it, I I would still encourage people like if there's no fixing, you're not splashing. Like it's just not going to work. I would rather build an air quotes, bad aggro deck with combat tricks and just not have any removal than splash for a removal spell that I'm not going to be able to cast. Um, For me, you have to have three sources to splash. If you don't have three sources, you're just losing games. That's been my experience with consistency. If you're going to go to two cards of a splash, I want four sources. A lot of people get hung up on half sources. And I I wanted to make sure we mentioned this while we were going through the splashing segment. Uh, We're talking about cards like Unbridled Growth from this set, uh, Terrarian from um, Shadows Block. These are cards that, that can fix you But they're really there to do something else. And until they do fix you, you're tying up a card. So Unbridled Growth doesn't actually help you fix if you have to pop it to get your card back before you draw your splash card. So a lot of people will count those as half sources. And same for Terrarian. Unbridled Growth is actually, surprise of surprise, here to trigger Revolt. Terrarian was there to get you Delirium. Like They did also fix mana, sort of, if you drew it in the right order, but that's not what the card's really for. So I'm talking hard sources, Renegade Map, Prophetic Prism, Dual Lands, um, or just lands of that color count. The only other time I can see it being reasonable to splash in Kaladesh is when you have a very heavy artifact pool. And for the first three turns, it doesn't really matter what colors you have because all your stuff's artifacts. Well, then, yeah, sure, I can fit Tushander's Revolution in my blue-black deck because I, I can just shove four mountains in that mana base, and it's not a problem, right? Especially if I don't need double of any colors. So those are things to think about. How do you splash three cards? You're not splashing at that point. You're playing three colors. So make sure the mana works out and go for it. But like a splash is for one card or two cards. Once you get up to three, I I think at that point, you're just kind of playing a three-color deck.
1: Yeah, this format is kind of, I mean, not unique, but it it feels like the last few formats we've had really good fixing. Mm Mm-hmm right and it uh, just in just in the shape of lands and then this format kind of fell off of that i guess did shadows have really good lands did they were there tap lands in shadows i don't remember they they had the uncommon ones right the uncommon ones so there was some amount of fixing so it was easier to get your two and three sources but it feels like in this format because the a lot of the fixing is artifact fixing renegade map prism um all decks are picking them up, which means they're much rarer despite being in that common sp- slot. I think Prism is in the common slot. Um, whereas the, the, the tap lands, or you'll see the rare lands come around in this format, but the tap lands and other formats and the, the guild gates and the tri lands and things like that. It was a little bit easier to see those sometimes because there was a chance that your the, the per- person passing to you in pack two was just not in those colors. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so fixing is definitely thin in this format, but, um, I think those, those rules, uh, the, the, what do you call them mnemonics the the rule of thumb um, kind of applies heuristics sorry mnemonics mnemonics is like regibiv what am i talking about um rainbows man you're talking about rainbows, rainbows. I, mean, I am talking about rainbows but they those rules apply it's just you can they're they're a little looser or or they're they're not rules that you're going to run into as much in other formats like you know you're always going to have the fixing and cons so who cares right and morphs give you that that smooth uh that smooth curve because they're colorless right but in a format such as this you kind of have to be a little like stingy, I guess with your splash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully the next set, we can just be liberal and we can just play three colors. Like who knows? Um, but if you stick to those rules, you know, late game, make sure you have enough sources um, and, and powerful cards. You're not just splashing for like two drops that don't have first straight kind of thing. Like who cares? Um, keep those rules in mind and, and your, your, your splash will be a okay.
0: Yeah. And that's again, I I'll, I'll, mention just last point on this. I'm talking about for competitive play. If you're at the pre-release and you want to splash the Planeswalker? Dude, go for it. It's freaking pre-release. Have fun. But if you're, you're going to play in competitive leagues on Magic Online or you're going to play in the PTQs and you want to win, you need to really seriously limit that.
1: Yeah, definitely has an impact on your win rate. So, all right. That's pretty good. That's a good start to it. I like it. We're on a roll here. We're on a roll. So why don't we cut that there and we'll go straight into Sealed. I like it. Okay, so I'm going to set it up here. I do not play Sealed.
0: That's not true. I,
1: I I play a little bit of sealed. I play pre-release sealed. Yeah, um, and I have played the occasional one online in the past. Um, I play draft because I enjoy the draft portion, and that's mostly the reason why. It's also like cheaper, quote unquote cheaper. Uh, sealed is better value currently online, but it does it is less upfront to play a draft than it is to play sealed, just because you're only buying three packs instead of six. Um, and I just haven't played it in a long time. Those are the main reasons why I do draft. Mm-hmm. So. You said to me, hey, Dave, you should play some Sealed. And I'm like, why would I play Sealed? And you're like, boy, have I got the podcast for you.
0: Yes. And, and here, here we are. And here we are. And here we are. So I imagine there's a lot of people listening that are like Dave and that you draft and drafting's fun. And you're like, why would I bother playing Sealed except for the pre releases? Because I have to play Sealed at the pre releases, right? Exactly. I, I think that the Sealed format offers a, a unique play experience that has value intrinsic to itself. And I'm going to dig into that first, and then I'll tell you a lot of other reasons why you should play it. So a million years ago, young Travis gets his first packs of magic cards. I got a starter deck of revised, Crack them, cracks it open with my buddies, and we start playing with the cards that we have, right? Add in a few more boosters, we start building decks. And I didn't know what other cards were out there. I just knew the cards that I had and the cards that my buddies had, and I had to build a, build a deck to beat their deck that initial experience can only really be recaptured through sealed. If that was a part of your magic coming of age that you enjoyed was like building those own decks, you're building your own decks and playing them against your friends. Like this is how you recreate that. There's a lot of fun in sitting down and saying, okay, these are my tools for the job. Let's build the best deck I can out of this and go to battle with it. And you just, you really can't grab that anywhere else because now like, you, you know, you're going to go play in a standard tournament, you get the best deck off the internet, or you practice, 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 and go play. So I think that experience has a lot to add, a lot of value just in and of itself, period. Now, there's still other reasons why you should be playing Sealed. The biggest one is if you consider yourself a competitive player and you would like to have a shot at making it to the Pro Tour, or you would like to day two a GP, you have to play Sealed. Draft is not a competitive limited format unless you've already made day two of the GP or you're on the pro tour or you've top eight a PTQ. At that point, draft becomes competitive. Other than that, it's kind of the casual limited format.
1: This is unfortunate, but true.
0: Yeah. I'd, they used to have draft pro tours. They used to have sealed pro tours. They used to do all sorts of different things. But the way it works now in any limited GP, day one is sealed. Day two is draft. In every PTQ that is limited, you play sealed first for the Swiss top eight drafts. And again, on the Pro Tour, once you've made it, you can forget about Sealed. But to get there, you have to be able to play Sealed. So I think those are the biggest two compelling reasons why you should play Sealed, is that the format is fun. It, it, it kind of recreates that initial magic experience. And if you're looking to be a competitive player, this is where the competition lies.
1: I think one of the things that appeals to me if I was to get into Sealed is that uh, the concept that uh, restrictions breed creativity. So when you're drafting, obviously you do have restrictions, but you can you can channel your draft in a certain direction, or you can cut cards off in one direction and get paid off in pack two, and you can make those decisions, and you can you can go in with a plan and you can force a deck. It might not be a good deck, but you can force that deck. In sealed, you don't have those options. You can just get restricted, and like here's your pile of cards, and you have to build, like you said. Um, and and I think that if I were to play sealed, I think that I would benefit from that forced creativity. Um, and you know, you get these restrictions placed on you while well, you have no fixing, you have a lot of fixing, you have this plane walker who's awesome, but the rest of the cards suck in that color. So, you know, you're making those strategic, strategic decisions from a, from a restricted point of view, um, and trying to find unique solutions that make your deck the best is th- that it can be. And I, I think that appeals to me. And, and, you know, that is, that is one reason that I would play sealed. I think good, get into good. sealed. And it. so we're going We're we've got one reason.
0: I would also say that your 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 point mentioned as well about the it costs more to play sealed like it's what currently 12 tickets to draft and 24 to do sealed. Yes, you open the same amount of packs when you're doing either of these um, and you play five rounds instead of six rounds. So you're getting one less round of the games. Um, So I, I can kind of see that point. But as long as the cards have value you can recoup some of that and the prize payout for the sealed leagues is a little bit better currently than the prize payouts for any of the draft leagues.
1: Yeah. I don't think that reason that, that is like, is like a, is like a valid reason. I think it's just like a kind of like a mental barrier to me getting in. It's like, well, it's like 25 tickets or 24 tickets. I could do two drafts with that, but you are basically doing two drafts with that. Um, and you know, if you look at the goat box EV calculator, which we've looked at before, um, sealed is just better expected value on the tail end of it no matter how you slice it Mm -hmm. so like even if i think that i'm giving up a five percent off my win rate in sealed because i'm not very good at it i'm still coming out of the head out ahead on average in the long run i think it's just swingier because of the higher cost so the swings is probably what's what's the mental barrier to me so like if i lose three seals in a row you know i go oh three drop in three seals in a row that that's far less likely for than uh than me to go oh two in three drafts in a row and even if i do i still have half of my tickets still left over so i think i think it's a it's a it's a not a valid concern it's not a valid barrier to me but i I still think i need to get over that hurdle and i think there would probably be a lot of people out there that would right yeah but check out that ev calculator and even if you just plug in like a 50 percent win rate let's say you don't know how much you win you probably win half of your games if you're if you're t- listening to this podcast i would say mm-hmm. right Plug those numbers in and you will see that it's a it's a very slow bleed for sealed, especially if you go to friendly. You might even make money um, on over the long term playing a nine game friendly sealed league, even at a 50 percent win rate. Yeah. So, so
0: let's make sure that when you do decide to jump into sealed now that we've convinced you that you should do that. Let's give you some tips and tricks to make you better at it.
1: I, I like that. I have one thing that I want to ask you first, though, because um, we, we kind of do this when we're brainstorming at work where we come up with ideas and we try to poke holes in them. Mm -hmm. Do you have reasons why you shouldn't play sealed? I got one for you. And it's something that people say on stream all the time to you.
0: the, The only one I can think of is that if you're, you're not interested in playing limited competitively, if you're like, I just like to draft and this is the experience that I want. I play magic once a week. I want to draft at FNM or I want to draft on magic online once a week. And that's what I want my experience to be. Heck dude, do it. I'm not trying to convince that person that this is what they should be doing. Um, There's a lot of people that, you know, you'll see it at a draft event. I I remember bumping into these, these folks at the local game store where they're sitting down for a sealed PTQ and they're, they're chit chatty. Right. And they're like, so I've I've been practicing. I've been drafting all week, getting ready for this. And I'm like, (laughs) Well, you may as well have said, I've been, you know, coloring in a coloring book all week to get ready for this. Cause that's not going to help you. <laughs> they're so completely different that that like, that's just not what you should be doing. So I would say if, if you're not looking to play competitively in, in a limited format and you really enjoy drafting and that's all you want to do, go, go, go do it. Have fun. That's
1: the only thing I can think of. What about the, the comment that sealed is luck based because of your pool. Well, draft is log based because of what you open, right? Right, and we've had this discussion before on our original podcast. I think we did the Hyper Bowl, uh, which is something we should maybe bring back one of these days. But um, I've seen you get very passionate about this argument this this point on your stream uh, multiple times. I don't agree with it, but I have seen you defend it, and maybe maybe I think we should talk about it right here because right. I I think I think it's a valid question, right? Okay. A lot of people say you look at your pool and it's luck-based. The reason I disagree with it, um, and I know you do too, so I'll let you give you a minute to get on your soapbox here, but the reason I disagree with that is because I don't think it needs to be binary. I don't think it needs to be that, like, draft is lucky or sealed is lucky or luck-based. Why can't they both be luck-based or why can't they both be skill-based? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be that one is lucky and or one, one requires luck and one does not require luck. And I think that when people make this argument, that's the that's where they're approaching it from. They're saying that, well, one has to be more luck-dependent than the other. That's just the nature of it. You're opening more packs or whatever. However, I, I think they're both somewhat luck-dependent, and I think they're both very skillful because I think you have a control over—you don't have control over what you open or you don't have control over what you get past. for example, in pack one— But you do have control over the decisions that you make. And there are a lot of decisions to be made both in draft and sealed. Mm -hmm. So the skill outweighs, I think, and you'll probably say the same thing, but I think the skill outweighs that. And sure, you can open open a cruddy pool, but if you're very skillful, you can turn that crud into something fantastic. And you can get into a, a draft pod where nobody knows what they're doing and everybody's hate drafting and you can try to turn that train wreck into some three color monstrosity that wins you a couple of games. That's where the skill comes into play. So I think the argument that says, you know, somebody says, oh, sealed is all luck based. It's not. It's maybe 1% difference between the two, maybe 2% difference between the two. But we're not talking about like one is completely luck dependent and one is completely luck, like not dependent on luck at all. Um, and I and I think that's a very important distinction to make. So they're close is is where I feel.
0: Yeah, I think. Like. I would agree. I I think the biggest distinction actually comes in here. Think of a card that kind of wins the game when you play
1: it, like just the bombiest
0: of bombs. Sure.
1: Like a Planeswalker, let's say, really like like Chandra or something like that.
0: Chandra, when you're doing a draft, let's say we're just doing a Kaladesh draft. You have three opportunities to open a card that is that powerful because something like that is never getting passed. Right. Like whoever opens that is going to take it. Quite often, people will even take it if they're not in the color. In pa- like, I can remember doing plenty of of um, drafts where I open a Gideon late, and I'm like, hey, look, we're white. We
1: weren't white sure. for the first pack, but now we are. Or it's worth 10 tickets, yeah. and you're taking it because it, you're free-rolling the draft now.
0: Yeah. So, like, when you do a draft, you have three shots at opening something that's absurd power level. Add in a few Mythic Uncommons, Ridge Scale Tuskers, Unearthed Express even if you mythic commons, like if we want to get renegade freighter in there or whatever, like you're, you're just seeing less cards. So in sealed, when someone opens, well, they're going to have more of those bomby cards. And generally speaking, when you play sealed, you're going to see more bombs than you're used to seeing in draft. Your opponents are also going to have more and better removal than you're used to seeing in draft. So it feels like it's luck based when you've built this neat sealed deck that, you know, I mean, sure, it's a 666 mana base, but you've got all these great cards, and then your opponent just curves out with this crazy red white aggressive deck and has all the removal spells, and then lands, you know, uh, Unearthed Express and runs you over. You're like, well, it's all luck based. That's, that, I think that's just an excuse to kind of get out of what just happened to you. Like, sealed is generally a more powerful format than draft because so many more cards are open. You've got literally twice the cards to work with you didn't get to select them out of a pack but you've got double the options so you should be able to make a more powerful deck
1: your your sideboard is usually the same and this is this is a good indication of like how well you draft or or how how well you discover what seat you're in is is how deep your sideboard is yeah but a lot of the time i would guess and you, you probably know this better than I do, but would you say that the size of your sideboard is generally the same between sealed and draft? Like you'll end up with about the same number of cards that are useful out of the board in both
0: possibly, although there have been plenty of times in sealed, both in paper and in magic online where I've swapped out a
1: color, right? Which is something that you have the opportunity to do. So you have potentially an entire, like change your entire deck sideboard, transformational sideboard. Um, yeah, so so that gives you some extra options there, right? Mm-hmm. Leaning it more toward the toward the the skill based side of things, but, um, yeah. So like they're very close. You know, sometimes you get lucky and you get past a bomb in in pack three when your opponent didn't need the money from Shandra or didn't realize it was worth twelve tickets, right? Sometimes you just open a bo- the the cards that are in your color and, and you and you snap them up. But I don't think it's much different than sealed. We're talking percentage, like single percentage point, not like. 10, 20,
0: 25%. Yeah, if that. And I I think the, the easiest way to put a cap on it, if you're looking at it from the perspective of somebody who drafts, is draft is kind of like a multiplayer game where you are cooperating with the people at the table around you to try to, to get the best deck for each of you. And then you're going to play it out and see who did better. Sealed is looking exclusively at your pool and building the best deck that you can from it. And one thing I I don't want to say that it bugs me, but a lot of people will hop in while I'm playing in a PPTQ or a PTQ and say, how's the deck? Is it a 5 out of 10, a 9 out of 10? And I I don't think those numbers actually mean anything. I think the only thing that matters when you've built a sealed deck is did you get the best build out of this pool that you could? So, like, it's not like we sit down and I lay my deck out and you lay yours out and then we call a judge over and say whose looks better. Like, we got to play the games with this thing any deck can win in that scenario. So like the, the real question to ask and and the real thing to focus on is not, did I open amazing bombs? Is this pool good? Is this pool bad? None of that matters. If you're looking to win an event, the only thing that matters is did you get the, the most win percentage out of the, the cards in your pool that you possibly could. So that that's the skill in the deck building aspect of it.
1: There's something neat from uh, poker a while back. Um, that was, it was, um, a duplicate poker. I think it was called duplicate poker. And maybe there's something from, maybe this something similar in magic, but, um, duplicate poker was you would play, uh, you, you would play a tournament or you, or you'd play a certain number of hands and you would be sitting in seat number one, let's say, and you'd, you'd play a hundred hands and it would track your results, how much money you won or lost, um, you know, based on those hundred hands. And then but you wouldn't be compared to the people that were at the table with you You would be compared to the people that were sitting in your, in the exact same seat somewhere else, playing the exact same hands that you were playing against the exact same hands that everybody else was. So you might've had a crap run of cards, but you would win, quote unquote, win if you did better in your seat than somebody who got the exact same crap run of cards one table over. So when you, when you say it's about making the best of your situation and building the best that you, that you can in that pool, you know. That's kind of the same thing. So if, if you were to take that pool and give it to 100 people, did you come out on top out of those 100 people? Did, did you end up with a deck that had the best potential for the best record compared to other people, pros, not pros, people at your pre-release that would have looked at that same deck and said, this is how I would have built it. And I think that's something interesting about Sealed, which kind of just, you know, clued into me here is that I can take a draft deck and show it to somebody, hey, look at this cool draft deck, but it's already built at that point. Right. They can't give me feedback on how they would have built. Maybe they can pick one or two cards out of there and say, I would have put this in over that. But it's, we're talking like 20th, 21st card at that point. Mm-hmm. And you can't go back. You can review the draft and you can say, I might have taken this differently. But once you get about three or four picks in, maybe like seven or eight picks in, all of that becomes pointless because you've changed the entire draft. We're in a completely different timeline now. So you can't look at pack two because you're like, oh, I would have taken a blue card in pack one and forced blue the rest of the way. But I, I didn't. I forced green the rest of the way, which means my neighbor was in blue. So we're not seeing blue cards in pack two. So we, we can't go through that exercise. We can't go through that alternate timeline. Yeah, you're going to rip a, a hole ins- in the space time continuum if you want well, exactly, that. Exactly. But I can take a sealed pool and I can give it to you and I can say, hey, how would you have built this? And if I don't tell you how I built it up front, I can get some really valuable feedback without even asking like, well, you know, this is what I did. What do you think? It's more like, how would you have built it? And I've seen you do that a lot on stream uh, for longtime viewers and, and subscribers. Um, and I think it's a really valuable exercise that you can't get in draft. So it's an opportunity to learn, uh, you know, learn about the different play styles and also learn about potentially your own play styles, as well as just interactions in the format.
0: Absolutely. And I have been doing that a lot, having viewers submitted pools, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great thing to do if I've got like 20 minutes before a PTQ fires uh, to sit down and, and look at somebody's pool. And that's exactly how they submit them. Like they'll give me the card pools without showing me what they made and then Like a lot of times they're they're happy if they got to one or two cards of where I did. Sometimes there's a question like it's not uncommon to have a sealed pool where there's two valid decks in it. I think usually you can figure out which one is best, but it's not uncommon to be like, well, it was close. Was it going to be blue, red or blue, green? I went green because of this, but I
1: wouldn't hate you if you went red because of this. So coming from a draft player's perspective. Pretend I know enough about Sealed to be dangerous, but uh, I'm really looking like lacking the ability to get to that next level. So I'm looking to bring my game up to where I am at draft. What are some of the major differences between draft and Sealed um, that I need to be aware of when I'm trying to improve as a player at, at Sealed?
0: Okay. A, a big thing, especially in formats um, that we've had recently, uh, shadows. I, I think Aether Revolt adds this in too is that there's a lot of synergy based cards, right? Like, think implements and improvised dudes. So, if you've got three of the red implements and three Sweatworks Brawlers and, I don't know, Free Jam Regent, then those implements are awesome. And you start thinking implements are good. And after you've got your first two Sweatworks Brawlers, you're not, you're like, okay there's not really anything in this this pack that's like super jumping out at me I'll just go ahead and grab that implement and you start to think implements are actually very good so when you see them in your sealed pool, you're like, oh I've got three of the red implements this is great and you jam them in your red deck and you're playing and you wonder why you're losing and then notice you don't actually have any improvised cards to go with them <laughs> they're they're just there to cycle and deal one damage to your opponent and that's not good enough um we would see things like this in in the shadow stack and that a lot of the blue cards and green cards kind of tended Like there was some aggressive cards, sure, but there was this clue theme. And like a lot of them would kind of feed on each other and work on each other. And if if you didn't get the right pool to pull that off, it kind of didn't work, right? So like anytime where you've got synergy cards, look and see if you have those synergies. Because every once in a while you'll get a pool that does. But most often those cards are not going to be as good in Sealed as they are in Draft. And then thing number two, it's perfectly reasonable to have a Draft deck That's mostly dudes and combat tricks and a few removal spells. And that's usually not good enough in sealed because your opponent has six rares and, you know, six packs of uncommons to go through to build their deck. There's going to be more cards that they play that just end the game on the spot if you don't answer it. So I found that I'd rather have the best, like when I'm building a sealed pool, I'm not looking for just the best threats. I need the color with the best removal and then try to pair that with the color with the best threats, if if I have that opportunity. Because your opponent is going to have a 5-5 five, five flyer, for example. And if you don't kill it, you're going to lose the game. So you need to have ways to deal with the bombs that your opponent's going to have, because you should be seeing more of them. Um, I, I would also toss out there that, generally speaking, I don't want to be playing an aggro deck in Sealed. I would argue that there aren't really true aggro decks in Sealed, because like... You're going to need eight or nine two drops to have an actual aggro deck. Um, Kaladesh is being a little, uh, excuse me, Aether Revolt is being a little sketchy on that because the the cards are so synergy based that you may end up with some pools that don't have enough power and you have to go aggressive. So I think it's a, a little more often that you should build an aggressive deck in Aether Revolt than it has been in formats in the past. But I still would rather be looking for good removal spells and then bigger later game cards that are going to win the game on their own. Is that a fair place to start?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um I have a question for you. Um would you say that the gap between your best and your worst card in sealed is a little wider than it would be in draft? So like your bombs are bombier, but your your 23rd, 22nd cards are worse? Absolutely. That's, that's a fair assessment.
0: That's a very very fair assessment. What, what what you end up with in sealed is you usually have about I don't I don't know what the right word for them is, but like 10 good cards and then somewhere around 13 filler cards. And all you're wanting to do is try to trade your filler cards for your opponent's filler cards and then kill them with your good cards. And if you have an opportunity um, to to trade a filler card for a good card, absolutely do it if you can do that, right? Um, I also, and this is going a little bit off on a a tangent because I said, I, I don't necessarily want to be playing aggressive decks, but I do still like to have a deck that can curve out. I don't want to play something with zero two drops. Just in case my opponent stumbles or just in case they come out aggressive. I want to be able to block. I want to be able to get a few points of damage in. But that's a good point. You're going to have some very powerful cards and then you're going to have some filler cards. I've had to run a Renegade's Getaway in Sealed and I've never played that in draft. And it was yeah, su- I've never even. It was surprisingly yeah. good with my Death Touchers. I was kind of surprised <laughs> that I was actually able to get value out of that. But that was certainly in my filler slot, not in my cards I want to be playing slot.
1: Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I mean, and that also makes sense just from the, the the volatility, the variability, the variance in your sealed pool, because you do have to open up enough packs to, to get enough, you know, playables. But, you know, you're also not going to get an even or you are going to get basically an even split between your colors, right? Like if you stack up all your colors, you're about the same amount of cards in every color ish mm. when you open up six packs um so but a lot of those cards are, are bad like you think about the dregs that go around 13th 14th 15th pick and draft um and you open a lot of those in sealed and there's there's kind of nothing you can do about it so yeah okay um what about like speed differences so I, I hear a lot about people saying like the that one format is like one is faster than the other so In terms of that, like, you know, the speed of a format is basically what turn does it end? You know, how aggressive is the format? Is there a difference between draft and sealed? I mean, you say that there is no true aggressive deck in a sealed format, but there is also really... It's very difficult to get an aggressive deck in a draft format as well, Um, especially lately. You know, creatures are great, but everybody's got great twos and threes, you know, in, in their deck. So there's no, like, you know, true, like, 15 land, super heavy aggro deck in draft unless you get lucky and absolutely force it. But... Is is Sealed slower than Draft?
0: It, it's a little bit, um, just because you're playing a little bit more filler cards, people are a little bit more focused on the late game, and people have a little bit better removal. So, like, in, in Sealed, I always want to make sure that I can stop uh, the the artifacts that are going to run people over. I'm specifically thinking about trains here, Unearthed Express, mm-hmm. Renegade Freighter, but, like, there's been some sort of, you know powerful four or five drop in most formats that would end the game quickly. You're more likely to see that in sealed. So you're going to play more removal to be able to deal with it. So the threats are a little more likely to get answered in sealed than they are in draft. I think that's truly what makes it slower. Not that people are just like, there's just more powerful cards. So if you have something powerful and I, I have to be able to answer it and I've got more removal, then I'm going to be able to do that. Um, the decks are also a little less focused I think you could draft a, a good aggro deck in Kaladesh or Aether Revolt. I've been able to pull that off. Um, I, I haven't been able to, to, to get a sealed pool that was anywhere close to that quality of an aggressive deck. So even the aggressive sealed builds that you see aren't going to be quite as fine-tuned as the draft ones, I, I think would be a good way to, to maybe
1: put a cap on that. That makes sense. Um, what about changes in, in deck construction? So are there cards that you like more? I mean, I know for sure there are cards that you like more in sealed, but what, what are some examples of of cards that that are better in sealed than they are in draft?
0: I, I know what you're fishing for here. <laughs> the, I, I have said on stream somewhat hyperbolic that Bastion Macedon is the best card you can open for sealed. While that's not actually true, it has a set of stats that are just fantastic for this particular limited environment. A colorless four or five that just slots into any deck It blocks nearly every ground creature in the format that people are playing, and it even attacks reasonably well. So when I open Bastion Mastodons in Sealed, they go in every deck I play, even if it can't get the white mana for Vigilance. It's just a nice, colorless, big dude that you're happy to pay that amount for. Um, a, A good comparison would be the Riparian Tiger. I will very often, in green decks in Sealed, play the Mastodon over the Tiger, if I don't have any other energy in the deck, the tiger is just flat worse when I need to block. It's harder to cast and it's missing a point of toughness. By the time the tiger can attack, I could usually be attacking with the Mastodon anyway. And it like it's only getting that one hit on the tiger, particularly because there's less synergy. Like in a draft deck, the tiger's usually better because you've got your attune with Aether and you've got your dude that draws a card and gives you energy and, and you've got all this extra energy lying around. And if you've got that in your sealed pool, sure, play the tiger. But make sure you're looking at stuff like that, not just like okay, tiger's better than the elephant because it can attack as a six six. Well, make sure it actually can, and and then it's certainly better. But if it can't, play the elephant. Man,
1: makes sense. Um, what about uh, counter spells or, or or cards that are that that are like that? Do you do you find it that I mean? A lot of people don't main deck counter spells and limit it or in draft. Uh, sometimes you do, you know, if you're short removal or things like that, uh, is there a consideration to play counter spells more in uh, sealed because of those bombs and because of the, the high availability of removal on the other side of the table?
0: I mean, counterspells still have all of the same issues that they have in the past. Um, the only one that I've really come up on is negate. And frankly, I'll main deck one of those in draft. Now uh, the fact that they can snipe vehicles as well as removal spell removal spells is just huge. Um, any counter spell is usually playable in limited. Um, it, it just, it's, it suffers from the problems that counter spells already have, right? They can't deal with a threat once it's in play. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I'm not bumping my, my level of, of a card like cancel up. Sure. It's playable, but it's going to be one of those filler cards. I'm not excited about it. Th- this really pulls into like when you're building that deck. And I, I want to give a little bit of advice for when you're building your deck. Don't just look at the cards from all the colors you have and don't even look at all the playables. First, when you when you're making your deck, just get rid of all the cards that you're not going to play and put them in a pile so you don't have to look at them. I'm like I'm talking about select for inspection here. Um the what's the minister of inquiries. Like there's some cards that are just garbage and no deck actually wants them. Wily Bandar, just get that out of the way. Once you have that sorted out, now pull out the removal and look at that. Because you have to have removal in Sealed. You have to be able to interact with your opponent's creatures. And like if I have five black removal spells and, you know, one or two sprinkled in the other colors, I'm probably playing black. After you've done that in a pile near that, pull out all of the cards you have that can end the game in your favor. So things like Aether Tide Whale, um, Aerial Responder, the um, Gifted Aetherborn, like cards that are hard to deal with uh Long Tusk Cub, like what are the cards that you have that are kind of the best in slot for the mana that you're spending? These can be bombs or just terribly efficient creatures. Once you have that, you should probably go with the two colors that have the most removal and the most level of those creatures and then see how much filler you have to play to pull that off, right? Like, and as you're going for removal, pick removal spells that matter. I never count shock in that pile. Shock is never killing my opponent's bomb. Shock is mostly a replacement for you missing a two drop so you can kill their two drop. It can get quite better than that and it can go to the face and it does all these things, blah, blah, blah. But it's not killing their dragon. Um, The Cruel Finality is another example. I hardly ever play that in Sealed anyway unless I'm just short. It's just a three mana shock. So like when you're building, start there. Get rid of the garbage. Then look at what removal do I have and what cards do I have that are must plays if you want to call them that.
1: Okay. I was actually going to ask about combat tricks as well there. So that's, that's, that's really, that's a really useful tip. So, so you're looking for closer to the unconditional removal. You even mentioned Chandra's revolution. You said, I guess you said you wouldn't splash for it, but where do you draw the line? Let's just say in this format, for example, of the, the removal that you consider to be high enough quality to go in kind of that first pile.
0: I'll put Chandra's Revolution over there. It kills most of the things I want to kill. Like, Red has always suffered from this in Sealed in that it doesn't get unconditional removal, short of Blasphemous Act or Into the Maw of Hell in the past. Like, you just don't see Red cards that can kill anything. So you're, you're going to have to take some of that damage-based removal. And Revolution is good enough, especially if I've got some 2s and 3s to back it up with. I'm not opposed to combat tricks in Sealed. There was a time, I don't know, 2 two-ish years ago where I did not want to play combat tricks in sealed, but the removal has gotten, you know, more and more expensive, more and more conditional where I'm going to need some of those. So if I have some of the combat tricks that I would consider premium built to last built to smash, um, I had a, an amazing run with ornamental courage of all cards. Like that's a playable card in sealed and you should probably run one in your green deck. The untap is just huge. Um, Precise strike, I don't like as much because it's rarely saving one of your dudes in combat. But like anything that's pumping power and toughness is just playable these days. Make sure you run enough creatures. Make sure you run enough removal spells. But like you can put combat tricks in
1: your deck. So, but you're looking for the either unconditional um, or removal with upside, or um, like cheap enough that uh, cheap enough is wrong. I guess like you, you say, shock's not very good. But if you need a shock. You know, you, you'll play a shock in your sealed deck, but you just have to understand that it's just, you know, it's 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 killing very, very few things a lot of times. Um, but you, you'll cut the line or draw the line at like cruel finality or, um, you know, things that are not as efficient or harder to kill their bombs.
0: Yeah. And like we ran the numbers on stream a while back, I think shock originally appeared in Tempest and it killed mm-hmm. nearly everything in the format. Oh yeah, I remember this. And we ran it for um, Aether Revolt, and I I don't remember the actual numbers, but it was something like less than a third of the playable cards actually died to shock. So it's the same thing with um, Die Young. I didn't often play that in Sealed. I still don't particularly like to play that card in Sealed because it's often a two-mana shock. It can be much better in draft when you've got all of these cards that produce energy and it can kill a big thing. But in Sealed, I may not have that. So my evaluation is going to change there. But yeah, when I'm talking about looking for removal, I mean, either unconditional removal or stuff that's just ridiculously efficient and instant speed, like harness lightning I'll put in that pile. Shock I usually want.
1: Okay. Well, that's fair. Okay. I'm, I'm starting, to, starting to pick this up. I'm starting to pick this up. I'm feeling feeling comfortable with it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that I can go into my next sealed event and maybe three, two. So. <laughs> Sounds good. But. Let's say I want to get to that next level. Let's say I want to move up from a three two and into the four one five zero category with, with some frequency. So we, you know, there's the concept that from from you know other podcasts and and just other things in general where you know the level up concept, right? How do I how do I get better? And are there some like do you have any like small tips, small tricks? You know, I feel like I'm leading you here, but like what what are some like you know. Not not necessarily like keys to the format, but it's like little tidbits, if you have any, that are like mini levels ups that are like, this might just take you to the next level if you get enough of these together. Do you have anything like that to, to kind of like, because I'm not a decent magic player, but sometimes I need those extra little things like those, aha, I see what you're saying. Like that totally makes sense. Um, that aren't obvious maybe on the surface.
0: Yes. Take every single second you have for deck building. Use every single moment of it. Do not submit your deck before the 20 minutes are over. And if it's a league and you want to spend 40 minutes looking at every single configuration you possibly can, take it. One of the most, like, assuming you're a decent player and you already know how to play and you're coming from draft, you probably do, then the building is far more important than the gameplay aspect. If I'm practicing for a GP, I would much rather build a sealed pool and play one match with it and then flush it and do it again, then I would build and play five games. So start with the build and do the things we were talking about earlier. Anybody that's listening to this that wants to come onto my stream and submit a sealed deck, we'll build it together and talk about it. I'm very happy to do that. You got to catch me between rounds. Like I'm not going to stop a game and do it, but you can do that with your buddies too. You can toss it to me or Dave on Twitter and we can look at a sealed pool and have a conversation about it. So like focus on the build first before you begin focusing on anything else. Next, do not get greedy with your mana base. You need to cast your spells. Play 17 mana sources. I understand there are a lot of people telling you, you can do 15 and it's great. And you can do that in draft because one of those non lands is a renegade map. And five of them are artifacts that are pumping out your improvised guys. You're not going to have that in sealed. Now, Unless you are right, like look in the pool and see if that's there, and then feel free to go for it. But generally speaking, don't be like, Well, I can't cut the last card, I'll just run this you know, 15 lands, it'll be fine. It's not going to be fine, not if you're expecting to play five rounds with it. And then also, um, this is aether revolt specific, but you should be main decking at least two artifact removal spells. Many of the threats that matter. I'll just put it this way. Every single Unearthed Express and Renegade Freighter that is opened is getting played. It's just going in the deck and they're commons and uncommons. You see them a lot more than you would expect in draft, right? Because there's only three packs opened. We just doubled the pool of these cards. So Natural Obsolescence is a great sideboard card in Aether Revolt draft. I'm putting one or maybe two in my deck for sealed. No questions asked. I just need access to that effect. So like there's... There's a little starter. Was there anything else like more specific you were after?
1: No, that was fantastic. Those are the kinds of things that like those, those minor differences that, that might not be obvious on the surface that, that might be hard for somebody like me as a drafter to get over. Um, Cause, cause I think that's, that's the hardest part is to take my, there is, a, it is a different mentality. Like it is just magic, but there is a, a different mentality on a lot of these things. And some of them are very small and it's going to be, you know, it's, it's an actual exercise for me to get out of one mentality and into the other. Um, I could see bad habits, you know, coming over from draft into my seal that would be detrimental to me. You know, for example, only putting one artifact removal main deck, cause that's what usually what I do in draft. Sometimes I do two, usually I do one because I have other enough, other removal, um, or, or good creatures that can take care of those, those trains or whatever trains of my own. Um, but I can definitely see that in, in, in sealed because of the, like you said, the, the size of the pool is doubled. So, you know, it's things like that. And, and I, I think that's a really good starting point for me, you know, now all that being said, I'm going to ask you another question that's kind of, you know, abstract here, but like it is just magic. So as a draft player, I have a certain set of skills. Are there like, maybe, is there like a, a key skill or, or a couple of key skills that I have cultivated in, in my draft experience that I can bring over and kind of harvest and sealed and get the same benefit out of like what what are some synergies between the formats that that i can take advantage of you know being a relatively good draft draft player i would say
0: i think the main one is in deck construction and remind me i've got another one that we've got to break i just thought of it while you were talking um so we'll get to that in a second the the main one is if you're a good drafter when i was saying in deck construction move the removal over move the game winning cards over what i'm actually talking about here is bring your first through third picks over. Like if the removal isn't something you would be like, heck yeah, we're first picking that. Like I first picked a shock. I'm never really like, yeah, we got there. It's a shock. I'm just like, okay, I'll take a shock. pack's weak. Move your first picks over. You know what to first pick and what is good. Move those cards over and start looking at those. Like your card evaluation skills are still good. You just have to evaluate the card almost like you did when you would do a set review. Evaluate Mm -hmm. the card in a vacuum and then add to that vacuum the other cards that you have in your pool rather than the, you know, unbridled future that you could have in the pack that you're getting past. You don't have to wonder about what you're getting past after you first picked this card. It's right there in front of you. So grab your first picks, move those over. Your card evaluation skills absolutely translate. The only thing is you have to shift them to instead of, well, if I first pick this and get past that. None of that matters anymore. Just look right. at those first pick quality cards and get them sorted out and try to build your deck around those.
1: Okay. Card evaluation.
0: The, the thing I, I, that we do need to break you of, and it may be easier actually to go back to Battle for Zendikar for this one than it was, is to talk about Aether Revolt, but I can still probably do it here. Like, I, I, I think pretty solidly that the Jund colors are fantastic. I want to be red. I want to be green. I want to be black. Those colors are awesome. I think blue is a little step below there. And I think white's a little step below that. Some people might argue with that. So I think going back to battle for Zendikar and saying green sucked is generally something everybody could agree on. Sure. So whatever color it is that you think sucks doesn't matter when you open your sealed pool. I had plenty of BFZ sealed pools that were green. Because the problem with whatever color is not enough good commons, right? Mm-hmm. Or not? En- or this specific uncommon has to be opened at the table, and n- like none of those opinions about colors matter when you're looking at a sealed pool because you've got all the cards right in front of you. If you opened a great green sealed pool in Battle for Zendikar, and I did, then you should play it, even if green sucks in draft, like. The thing about green was like there were two or three specific uncommons you needed to get for the deck to work, and they might not get opened or get passed to you, and so you didn't want to go into green for that reason. But if you open a pool and they're already right there in front of you, don't just immediately dismiss that. So, like for me, if I was drafting Aether Revolt and or excuse me, playing a sealed Aether Revolt event and didn't have that in my head, I'd immediately dismiss all the white cards. And like I've had really good white
1: pools in in Aether Revolt i mean and that that makes sense i mean if generally speaking i think when a color is bad in draft it's because it's shallow you know mm-hmm. like you said like maybe the, the key cards are on commons or there's just not enough good on good commons so maybe it only supports let's say one drafter but even in bfz if there was just one person picking up all the green cards and playing mono green that would have been an effective deck mm-hmm. potentially um and I, and I imagine in sealed you know even if a color is shallow you know it'll kind of just weed itself out so like maybe yeah maybe white sucks um, because you don't open up because white is not deep and you don't open enough up, up enough white cards. But that'll just happen naturally as you're filtering through those cards anyway, and you'll toss them aside. But if you open up this huge stack of removal in white, it totally makes sense. It's like, you don't want to say, oh, white sucks and have these preconceived notions that white is terrible. Like you said, you, well, we, you said this at the start, you have to work with the tools that you're given. Um, and, and, you know, creativity, you know, is, is, or, sorry, restrictions breed creativity. So kind of circling all the way back there to the start of the podcast, essentially.
0: The circle of sealed.
1: <laughs> I like it. I do feel confident. I, I feel energized. Sealed. feel fine, like a dude. take on the world. Go do a sealed league. I probably will.
0: I actually did draft a, is I, so, so good, though. Draft is a lot of fun. But like after I've been jamming sealed, I kind of just would rather be playing sealed. I actually did the subscriber video as a sealed video for this month because I was like, yeah, it takes a little bit longer to record, but it's just fun.
1: You do play a lot of sealed, though. Yeah, I I, I play about 10 rounds of sealed every day. I was going to say you play a day one of GP every day and yeah. then maybe one on the weekend. Mm hmm. Mm, that's a lot of sealed. All right. You are definitely the expert, though, uh, when it comes to this podcast. So I thank you for sharing your knowledge, and I hope everybody out there also (laughs) was able to get something out of it, or at least they'll thank you for it. Um, But yeah, no, I'll 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 definitely play some sealed. Um, Pretty glad that there's no Modern Mastered sealed, because holy crap, would that be expensive? Talk about swinging. I
0: tried to build a pool for a viewer from a Modern Master sealed that they had for a PTQ. It took me... It took me 30 minutes and we got the build right, but my goodness, was that crazy? Because you could just play anything. There, there was like 10 dual lands in it. Oh God, no! I don't want to. I don't want to play that. I don't want to play that. <laughs> we'll stick to I the draft simple. It.
1: Yeah, two color formats. Yes, please. All right. Well, I definitely feel prepared. Maybe after Modern Masters season is done for me, maybe I'll do a couple of seals before the end of the format. Um, after I get my avatar for draft, and then we'll go from there. So.
0: Another good time to start it would be when M and Cat is rela- released. Mm, that's a good point. I, I know that they don't do um, the pre-release events anymore like they used to, but a, a great way to start, like if you haven't evaluated all the cards or anything, is just play sealed. You can evaluate mm-hmm. the cards in a vacuum and none of your preconceived notions from draft carry over. So you can just kind of start there.
1: You can't make any draft selection mistakes. Exactly. Right. You can only make deck construction mistakes. So. Mm-hmm. And it's you don't have to read signals in sealed. Yeah, I, I like reading signals, but I, I, you don't have to at the pre-release, which would be very difficult. Yeah, pre-release drafts are the worst. Oh in God, paper. they're terrible.
0: They're terrible online three, too. Nobody knows what they're doing,
1: including me. You end up with three color monstrosities that, and you don't get to play any of the cool cards you open because you're in the wrong three colors. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So how did we end up with six colors? I don't know,
1: but like it's still just terrible. <laughs> Purple? I didn't yeah. realize that was a color. Yeah. How did a ham sandwich get in my deck? Mm, Tasty. All right. Yes. Got anything else to add or are we kind of done on that?
0: I think that's good. I would encourage listeners to leave a comment here if you have additional questions or would like any other feedback on this. I am happy to talk about Sealed and I think we've just done so for an hour, but I'll talk about Sealed for another hour sometime. So like if you want to, would you like to know more? If you would come by the stream, leave
1: us a comment. I'm happy to talk about this all day. So for those that don't know, then, where can they find you on Twitch?
0: Ah, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash I'm also on Twitter under the same handle at Uh Tweet me pictures of your sealed decks.
1: Yes, and I am on Twitter and Twitch under DCivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. And we'll put links in the, uh, in the show notes as well. So if you're looking at it on Mana Deprived, which I fully encourage you to do, is to visit Mana Deprived for all of your canadian and some non-canadian magic content hey. um but you can <laughs> a buddy guy friend a boot um but yeah no uh i and i welcome even though i'm terrible at it or i i'm not as good as some people on this podcast um i also do welcome kind of those opportunities to provide feedback uh, and we do get the occasional listener that does you know send us a uh, you know, either a picture of the draft deck or, or whatever, and, and either just say, hey, look at this awesome thing that I did, or hey, do you guys have any feedback on this? And it happens more frequently in stream. Um, but all of which are welcome, at least on my end, and I know yours as well. So mm-hmm. all right, well, I think it's going to wrap it up. So um, I guess thanks for listening. And hopefully we catch you sometime and open some kick ass sealed pools and please share them with us. So until next time.
0: Bye.